You're listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts, Ben Worney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Worney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, you ready to check out some Amonkhet remastered in the desert? Ben, this has been a very fast-paced four weeks for magic content creators (laughs) it is absurd our discord keeps expanding and expanding and expanding as as we add channels to cover new talk about this set or this set yeah it's so wild thinking about throne of eldraine dominaria double masters and now amonkhet remastered remix coming at us just mere hours before we are recording this podcast ben yeah we are unusually recording on a thursday night for us because you got a big trip this weekend so have fun and in the meantime we are going to get down to business talking about amonkhet remastered yeah so we've been pouring over the spoilers ben and i are no strangers i have not unlike with uh dominaria (laughs) i did not go back and listen to our first or second or third episodes, uh, which is uh, when we started was right when Hour of Devastation first came out, which is the uh, second set, the small set companion to Amonkhet. Um, and they've sort of fused those two sets together here. And I think uh, I think even after just a few drafts today and pouring over the spoilers and, and chatting with a lot of people who've been playing, I do feel like we're going to have a pretty good sense of what's going on in this format on Arena. But... Before we get into any of that, a little bit of housekeeping to, to take care of. First things first, we got to talk about the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. Of course, the show is always going to be free, but Ben already referenced it. The Discord is hopping and popping and exploding, and we're trying to keep up best as we can with all of these formats coming out. And I think we're, we're getting there. The Discord seems to be just still the place to be for limited tech support 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and anyone who gives back to the show via the Patreon gets access to that Discord, and they get access to a bunch of other stuff depending on the tier that they give back to Uh, but each and every week we want to make sure that we shout out our new patrons so this week we are welcoming martin vincent patrick jace aaron nils eduardo alex and adrian thank you thank you thank you we really appreciate your support yeah cannot say thank you enough here's how awesome the discord is come home from school want to know how amonkat remastered is going log into the discord check the trophy channel, see what the decks look like, do a draft myself, you do a few drafts, talk to you. And I feel like we have a pretty good picture of the format. That's what you get when you're joining the Lords of the Discord. It's just a huge community that, you know, compiles information as fast as we possibly can. We've got another excellent announcement that we have to make at the beginning of each and every show, Ben. What, what What's that? Yeah, the podcast is now sponsored by Channel Fireball, which we are very stoked about. And as part of that, we've got a lot of sweet content coming your way these days. So we have our first showdown video up on Channel Fireball, where Ethan and I join the same draft pod, draft our decks, and then jam the decks out against each other in the friendly queues. So that is up there. You've got an article coming out on CFB Pro. And I have an article coming out this upcoming week on CFB Pro. So if you're interested in more written content from us, please go check out CFB Pro. And when you do, remember to use the code LOL. That's our affiliate code for the podcast. Um, You can put that in when you go to check out. Not a discount for you, but helps let Channel Fireball know that we sent you there and that you care about our content. Yeah, I'm very, very excited for uh, us pumping out those written pieces each and every week. All right, Ben, you know, I think in our, our usual fashion, we've, we've sort of got it down here now that we're, you know, we've had to talk about new sets for the past, you know, 16 weeks. Um, I think we've got it down here what our rhythm is. First up, 
Let's talk about the mechanics going on. And I think first, foremost, on the front page is Exert in Amonkhet. What's going on with Exert in this format? Yeah, so Exert is an ability that creatures have in this format. And you can choose when you go to a combat whether or not you want to Exert them. If you do use the Exert ability, they will not untap as normal during the controller's next untap step. There are a lot of ways to get around that with various untap tricks or giving your creatures vigilance. There you can Exert with no drawback, essentially. One big note on Arena, if you go to attack all you found this out the hard way uh, <laughs> it will not prompt you to say whether or not you want to exert any of the creatures and on magic online i think it did yeah i was like okay i've got uh, four plus two plus one plus two damage from my ramunap ruins desert sacrifice so that's nine my opponent's at exact nine awesome i have lethal attack all oh no it was really it's a bummer so uh yeah that was a, a a rude awakening for me so learn from my mistakes dear listeners um and I, we're going to talk about some some math of exert attacks a little bit down the road i think that'll probably be better once we talk about some of our top commons in each color next mechanic we're going to look at here it's cycling but this is uh this is not your grandfather's cycling here from Akoria. this is this is control cycling, Ben. This is in, in blue-black, really. And the cycling payoffs, they, they exist, but they're a lot more grindy, I would say. There's not a lot of, like, you know, cycling to push damage the way that we were doing it in Ikoria. Yeah, I think that's true. I think if you go after it like you were in Ikoria, you will be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not really that sort of, like, 12 lands churn through your deck with cyclers type deal. There's just no Zenith Flare style card in the format. This was a pet deck of yours, though, if I remember correctly, especially towards the end of the format. Oh, yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm definitely going to be talking about it. I'm not sure how good it is in this iteration, but all the pieces are there. So I'm definitely going to talk about it a little later. Up next, we've got two mechanics that are near and dear to my heart. We've got Eternalize and Embalm, very similar mechanics. So Embalm is a cost on the card. You can pay that cost and exile the card from your graveyard, and you create a token that's a copy of it, except it's a white zombie of whatever the creature type was, um, and you pay whatever the Embalm cost was. So for example, there's Aven Wind Guide, two white blue for a 2-3 flying vigilance, gives creature tokens you control flying in vigilance, and has Embalm for blue-white, exile this card from your graveyard, create a token that's a copy of it, except it's a white zombie bird warrior with no mana cost, Embalm only at sorcery speed. And then there's its close cousin, Eternalize, which is essentially the same deal, um, will come with the cost, you pay it by exiling from the graveyard, pay the cost, only it comes into play as a 4-4 copy of the creature with all of the abilities. So no matter what the original stats were, you get a 4-4 plus whatever abilities were on the card, and it is a black zombie token. Yeah, there's a really sweet, uncommon in our devastation that is now in Amonkhet Remastered called Vizier of the Anointed, which is this blue 4-mana 2-4. When it comes into play, you get to search for a creature card and put it into your graveyard, and then whenever you eternalize or embalm, you can draw a card. So it's this really great value engine. But I agree, it, it looks kind of nerfed in this format. There's not a lot of the eternalized creatures, which is one of the big payoffs. And honestly, there's not even that many embalmed creatures. Yeah, it's a bummer. There was a really sweet blue-white eternalized deck in the Hour of Devastation block, and it really was very grindy. You just two-for-one your opponent, ground them into dust, could really play a control role super well, and it just was raw card quality. And it's really, I don't think, they're largely looking at the spoiler. It's probably for the best for both of our win rates and and gem counts that this deck isn't that good looking. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we've got Afflict, which is uh, an ability on creatures that uh, happens when they get blocked. So it's going to be Afflict and a number. So if a creature has Afflict, Two, uh, if it gets blocked, it deals that much damage to the blocking creature's controller. Um, So sort of like a 
pretty aggressive mechanic and you can do some stuff with like you know incentivizing people to block or not based on the damage on the creature or the afflict there's a like a three mana one three scroll thief in blue that has afflict too so it's like well i could block and then i lose two life but i could also not block but then my opponent draws a card so sort of some some interesting toss-ups there and last mechanic we've got going on here is aftermath so these are going to be split cards one card's facing normally up the other card is twisted sideways that's the aftermath part of the card (laughs) so for example there is struggle to survive they all have these catchy names that is something to something Uh, struggle to survive struggle is two in a red instant that's the front half of the card deals damage to target creature equal to the number of lands you control and then the back half of the card is survive it's a sorcery one in a green aftermath cast the spell only from your graveyard then exile it that's the key part of aftermath each player shuffles his or her graveyard into his or her library is the ability on survive important to note you do not need to be both of these colors to play this card you're just playing struggle in any red deck for example and then there are some ways to cheat like if you do really want the aftermath effect there's ways to get them in your graveyard but not a lot i don't think yeah yeah this is a really sweet mechanic i mean just all the stuff that we're talking about there's just a lot of flexibility in terms of exert like you have decisions for attacking for cycling cards for eternalize and embalm or aftermath using the graveyard like the, the these mechanics check a lot of boxes for the types of things that you look for in a good limited format absolutely all right so this next section of the show i think is going to be like a a good meat of the discussion the the biggest question for me going into this format was and i think for a lot of people was will it be closer to triple amonkhet was or will it be closer to when hour of devastation came in the mix when we drafted our hour and then a pack of amonkhet so i think maybe a place to start here ben is what do you remember about those two different formats? Well, so Triple Amonkhet was very fast, right? It was a world dominated by low to the ground aggro decks. You know, there were cartouches that really allowed you to push damage. Cartouches are a cycle of enchantments that you slap them on your creature, give them plus one, plus one, and have some sort of ability. Like, for example, the white one gives your creature plus one, plus one in first strike and then brings a one, one token along with it. Just really powerful tempo swings. So Amonkhet was very low to the ground, very aggressive. And then the cool thing about Hour of Devastation was when it came out and it was Hour of Devastation, Hour of Devastation, Amonkhet. This was back in the day as a big set, small set. So you had two small packs of HOU and then one pack of Amonkhet. The format changed drastically and HOU was really slow. There was a lot of incidental life gain. There were cards that let you splash. There were really sweet control decks you could build, but there were also very good aggressive decks as well. There was just HOU was awesome. Format was insanely good. I remember liking it quite a bit more than Amonkhet. Yeah. Yeah. I remember doing a lot of nonsense in Triple Amonkhet as well. There was this card called Gift of Paradise, which was two and a green for an enchantment, put it on a land, you gain three life on ATBs, and then the land can tap for two mana of any one color. And this was sort of a theme across not only in, in Amonkhet, but in once Hour of Devastation came out, there's this card called Oasis Ritualist, which is uh, three and a green for a two four, and it has tap to add one mana of any color to your mana pool, but you can also exert it and then it taps to add two mana of any one color and so there were all these like bombs in the format at at rare or mythic that were double pipped but cards like gift of paradise or oasis ritualist allowed you to splash those if you got you know three of those in your deck right so that was the first time we'd ever really seen the ability to essentially splash double colored cards Mm -hmm. off of only three sources you get your three oasis ritualists and you've got three sources for your double colored splash card right so i think initially looking at the spoiler and i think initial fondness for nostalgia for Hour of Devastation, Hour of Devastation, Amonkhet Draft, that really made me want this format to be 
like that, you know? And I was looking through the spoiler and I was like, well, there's a lot of stuff that reminds me of that format. Like Oasis Ritualist is back. Riddle Form is back. And that was the first iteration of Riddle Form. And it was like the, the key linchpin to the Blue Red Spells deck. But the Blue Red Spells deck was the second best deck in our devastation like it was the five color green deck and the 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 blue red spells deck and i think that you know seeing this spoiler for amiket remastered i was like oh i think this format's gonna have uh have a lot of that feel to it and yeah best of one gives aggro a, a leg up but i don't know if that's really gonna gonna bear out that much and i think the more i thought about it the more questions i asked myself about similarities between this set versus either triple amiket or hour of devastation sort of led me to think well maybe it's not quite as uh, I'm not feeling as optimistic about it as I would like. Basically, and then Ethan did a few drafts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, we have both had a chance to draft the format, and I would agree. It feels much closer to Triple Amonkhet than Triple HOU to me after, you know, certainly talking with you and doing my draft that I did, play my games out. And I think even if it is, you know, somewhere in the middle, I think the fact that the format is best of one is going to shift it towards feeling more like Triple Amonkhet anyway. Right. And I I think it is important to talk about because I feel like we always get questions about this. Why does best of one reward aggro so much? It speeds up the format artificially. So there's there's several things going on, right? Both players due to the hand fixing curve out more often, which if you know you're going to curve out like that's when aggro loses, right? When you don't get to curve out or you get unplayable hands. So knowing that you get to curve out likely makes aggressive strategies better. And then the other thing that rewards aggressive strategies is if both players are doing things and are their decks are functioning optimally, the way you get ahead is by double spelling or having a key swing with a combat trick or a cheap card. And all of those cards function best in an aggro deck. And then a control deck, you know, if you're playing that, you know your opponents are never going to stumble against you or are unlikely to stumble against you. So all of those factors combined, I think just skew things unnaturally towards aggro decks being prevalent and you don't get a sideboard against the aggro decks right one of the control decks big advantage is being able to build your deck and then when you're matched up against an aggro deck you bring in four or five cards and you're hoping to crush them in games two and three and you just don't get that chance in best of one right so i think best of one in combination with exert and and a number of other things are going to make this format feel a lot closer to triple amonkhet so the, the first thing that I thought about was it's triple big set again, right? It's not small set, small set, big set. Uh, and that's going to make it feel more like Amonkhet, I think, just in those direct parallels. There was something about, and if you've never drafted small set, it's hard to sort of say, but like there's just something about knowing the amount of like, you're just going to see this redundancy of commons and the pieces are going to come together for decks so much more often. Or like even when you're picking of the busted rares from Hour of Devastation, you're just going to see so many more of those busted ones so much more often than, you know, the handful of non-busted ones, etc. Yeah, I think that's certainly true. And and it was more obvious once you established what the best cards were, what signals were, because you knew that getting this card late meant that people had passed on it, you know, Mm -hmm. it just felt very everything felt magnified in small sets and to talk a bit more about what best of one does to this format so there's on there's this really cool cycle of cards at uncommon these these are these defeats which i'm sure are going to be great for constructed sideboarding but we don't get to sideboard in best of one limited so these are all like uh color hosing hate cards so like you know the white one hates on white cards the red one hates on red cards etc these are just un playable unpickable cards in draft in best of one right and they were strong sideboard cards too they were like fifth pick fourth pick cards like they were high picks because they were a's out of the sideboard but they just 
worthless now. Yeah, that is going to be a bummer for sure. And we're also getting to pick and choose the best exert creatures from the Naya colors from both sets, right? So if you've played Amonkhet at all or, or you know heard about it from Limited, there's a card called Gustwalker that is one of the best two drops ever printed. It's one and a white for a 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> and when you exert it, when it attacks, it gets plus and plus one in flying. This is a very, very powerful two drop. In Hour of Devastation, the sort of replacement for that was Oketra's Avenger, which is one and a white for a 3-1 with exert. When it exerts, it gets indestructible until end of turn. So much less powerful. So good. Uh, there's a lot of X1 hate in the format, which we'll get to in a little bit. But so when you had like, okay, I have two packs of Hour of Devastation where I get to take Oketra's Avenger, and then maybe I'll get to see Gustwalker in pack three, you now get sort of the best of both worlds. And it's like if Triple Amonkhet had both Gustwalker and Oketra's Avenger. Right. It just gets hyper powered up. Right. Red is getting like both the good removal spells in Magma Spray, deal two if the creature dies, you exile it, and open fire, which is two in a red, deal three to anything at instant speed. So you just get both of those now, whereas before it was like like two packs of one and one pack of the other. Right. It it does feel like the rate you're seeing those cards goes up and the power level of the aggressive cards is is pretty high. Yeah. And so to, to our next point, we sort of touched on this a little bit already, is that cartouches and trials are back. So cartouches at common and trials at uncommon. And this, again, feels a lot more like Triple Amonkhet because an hour of devastation, those just didn't exist in two out of the three packs. And for those of you that may not know what the trials are, they're a cycle of uncommons uh, that when you play in the battlefield or an enchantment that has some sort of effect. For example, Trial of Zeal is two in a red, hits the battlefield, deals three damage to target creature or player. And then whenever you cast any cartouche, so it doesn't even have to be the red cartouche that mashes up with it. You can play the red trial and then a white cartouche. You get to return the red trial to your hand. And all of the trials are very powerful effects. For the mana cost, especially considering that you have, you know, multiple chances potentially to rebuy them if you play the cartouches in your deck. And the cartouches are all quite playable on their own as well. Yeah, for sure. So there are some themes across color pairs like green black has this sort of like minus one minus one counter matters thing. And a lot of it is like you have a beefy creature. But when it comes into play, you have to put a minus one, minus one counter on a creature you control. So there's Baleful Amit uh, in black. It's two and a black for a four, three with lifelink at uncommon. But when it comes into play, put a minus one, minus one counter on a creature you control. And there's some ways to like mitigate that. And also just the fail case of a three mana, three, two lifelink isn't the worst. But that just doesn't seem as supported here. And that was sort of a shift from in Amonkhet that really existed. And then when Hour of Devastation came, that didn't really exist that much anymore. Right. And I think one of the big hits is Decimator Beetle is not in this format. That was the the premier green black uncommon from Amonkhet. It was three green black for a four five when an ETB put a minus one minus one counter on target creature you control. Whenever Decimator Beetle attacks, remove a minus one minus one counter from target creature you control and put a minus one minus one counter on up to one target creature defending player controls. So could shift your minus one minus one counters and give them to your opponent was a huge house and worked with itself. And the fact that that is not in this format is really going to hit this archetype hard. Yeah. And we, we already said about like blue white eternalizing bombs seems pretty unsupported. And and also talked about the reasons why it felt like HOU with like, well, it looks like five color green is here. It looks like the pieces for blue red spells are here. It looks like the pieces for the blue black cycling deck that I really liked are here. But those are really the only saving graces for it feeling kind of like Hour of Devastation. The rest of it really seems to be check marks in the column for 
Amonkhet over Hour of Devastation. And for those of you that didn't play in Amonkhet, Amonkhet was known as no blocks the format. You were just you were just never able to block because Exert was such a powerful aggressive mechanic, right? Like Hooded Brawler is two and a green for a three two. You can exert it to give it plus two plus two on attacks. So a three drop attacking as a five four every other turn. So it was just so extraordinarily difficult to block because of how good Exert was as an aggressive mechanic. Right. Whenever you have mechanics like that that just reward attacking purely, like you think about landfall triggers from Zendikar being like the thing that enabled a lot of attacks because that was happening on your turn, right? Your, your landfall triggers are happening on your own turn. Like similarly, there's no reverse for exert for blocking. So there's no way to deal with a 5-4 attacking you on turn four because you don't have any big blocker to contend with that. So it's really hard to counter that strategy, I think. Yeah, one of the key ways to combat that in Hour of Devastation, because there was still exert decks running around in the Hour of Devastation format, was that there was a lot of incidental life gain. And there is still some of that incidental life gain here. Most notably, Aven of Enduring Hope was a key card. This is four and a white for three, three flyer. And when it ETBs, you gain three life. That card just kept going up and up over the course of the format. And I think it is feeling pretty good. I have cast some so far already in Amonkhet Remastered, and I think it is a good part of this format as well. Just that three life gain is such a nice buffer in best of one where it often comes down to very tight races. Yeah, so this is not to say that I won't be trying a lot of nonsense in the format. I'm certainly going to be drafting my share of Oasis Ritualists, but I do think if if your goal is to win, at least at the start, I'm convinced that this format is going to feel much more like Triple Amonkhet than not. Yeah, I think that seems right to me. So the the last thing that I think we should talk about is the the introduction or the addition of deserts. And so there's a desert theme in this format. So there are a cycle of common lands that are uh, ETB tapped lands of a single color that have a cycling ability on them. So we have cycling lands in the format. So you can, you know, if it's the red desert, you can pay one and a red to cycle it out of your hand. And then at uncommon, there's a cycle of deserts as well that all, that have uh, abilities to sacrifice deserts for bonuses. So the black one is probably the best one if near dead lands. Uh, it lets you pay two black black, tap it, sacrifice a desert to put two minus one minus one counters on target creature. So that's a pretty big payoff. There are other creatures that care about you having a desert in your graveyard or in play. And then if, if you do, you get a bonus. So most notably, probably Sand Strangler, which is like Flame Tongue Kabu, three and a red for a three, three when it ETBs. If you have a desert in your graveyard or in play, it gets to deal three damage to a creature. So the deserts were a really sweet thing to do. And also just being able to draft lands. We talk about often as like lands as picks being good for draft because it reminds us of drafting lands in cube. But I do think this is a format where drafting deserts was important. Where are you at on the deserts right now? And what advice can you give people who have not had this sort of like powerful lands as picks in options for drafts? Yeah, I mean, they're they're very good. I think it's going to be interesting to see how highly you pick them. So for to put it in context, in Hour of Devastation, the deserts were in the top three commons for every color, I think, by the end of the format, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering correctly. And some of them were the top common. I doubt they're going to be that high of picks here just because this format seems to be pretty highly powered, especially, you know, with things like Gustwalker and Oketra's Avenger in the same color and things like that. I can see the deserts still being pretty high picks. I have played with, you know, I played white red aggro exert in my first draft that I did. I had three of the white desert. And one of the hidden things that that lets you do is run more lands without risk of flooding. So normally in an aggro deck, you know, 
best of one, you know, we say bias yourself down to 15 lands, bias yourself down to 16 lands, you know, try to take advantage of that um, hand smoothing algorithm, but you can still play 17 lands and then hit your land drops for sure. And then cycle the extra lands that you get. That's really, really powerful. And then not to mention that there are payoffs for having those deserts as well. You know, like you mentioned, Sand Strangler, and there are others as well at Common and Uncommon. Yeah. And I think in terms of when to include these kinds of payoffs or go for them. So Sand Strangler, I think is a great example because its floor as a four mana three, three is pretty bad. Like you, we don't really play Hill Giants and Limited anymore, but the ceiling of a four mana three, three that comes into play and kills a creature is quite high. <laughs> like it was the best uncommon in Hour of Devastation or second best, depending on who you asked at the time. Uh, <laughs> well, Bane Whip Punisher. Bane Whip Punisher, uncommon. I know, but uh, too powerful to bring back here. It's not uh, making an appearance in Amonkhet Remastered. That's the great debate. I remember that. Good times. <laughs> but I think you want to probably have about three, you know, just coming off of Dominaria, always thinking about, I probably usually want about three legends before, at least three legends before I'm including the legendary sorceries. Similarly, I'm thinking about these like splashes. Like I want at least three deserts before I'm excited or about thinking about that I'm going to reliably have these payoffs from a card like Sand Strangler. Well, and one of the reasons that it's not, it's not like you have to pick the lands, right? You're getting to pick the lands. It's a, it's good to have these lands in your deck. Any deck with three to four of these tap lands that cycle, I think is going to be much improved and much favored versus a deck that doesn't have those cycling lands. So let me ask you this. We're we coming off, or maybe not coming off, but cooling off of a format like M21, where I think you and I were pretty against like, you know, if you've got three one drops in your deck, you, let's say you've got a short sword an anointed chorister and I don't know, shock in your in your red white deck. I would probably say don't play Windsguard Crag in that deck. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think that's correct. That is certainly the team I'm on in M21. Okay, so what's the difference here about playing deserts when we're, we're still sort of thinking right now, Amonkhet Remastered is an aggressive format. Yeah, I think the difference is that these deserts cash themselves in for a card. That's a huge difference <laughs> between getting a slight bump for your mana base and a, a point of life gain. Not to say that that's not nothing, but I think the benefit here far outweighs the cost. And I think even if the deserts had no synergy, you're looking to play them in aggro decks and then factor in that they've got synergy with a lot of powerful cards in the format. And I think they're just, you know, auto includes. Yeah, totally, totally agree. So... Talking about deserts, looking at like big picture stuff in terms of where we're at with the, the speed of the format, what it looks like in terms of the cards that we've seen before, played with before, even though it's, I can't believe it's like three and a half years ago already. That is absurd. Yeah. I think that's a great place to move into discussing top commons. And we, we sort of, in our show notes here, I like, you know, again, optimistically put had like two different columns of like, well, if the format's more like HOU, this is probably what the top commons will look like. And if the format's like triple Amonkhet, this is what it'll look like. And I think I think we've got our answer right now. Yeah, I think we're going with the, the triple Amonkhet column. So in white, kicking things off with the best white common, Gustwalker, one white for a 2-2 two, two, and has exert. Whenever you exert this, it gets plus one, plus one and flying until end of turn. In number two, we've got Oketra's Avenger. That's the two mana three one with exert. It gets indestructible. And in third place, Cartouche of Solidarity. 
This is single white for an aura and gives your creature plus one plus one and first strike. And when it ETBs, you get a one one token on your side of the battlefield. Yeah, I think that gives you a pretty good picture of what we think white is trying to do in this format. Yeah, white wants to beat down, wants to exert, wants to push damage any way it possibly can. And white has some removal spells. You know, it has a one mana tapper that costs two to tap a creature in fan bearer. It's got a sort of uh, pacifism effect in compulsory rest. White has the aforementioned Aven of Enduring Hope that we really like that I think it still has a good home in these aggro decks as an aggro mirror breaker gaining you three life and providing you a three power evasive threat. But I do think these these cheap creatures slash auras that are going to push damage is where you want to be at. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to blue in the number one slot, Cartouche of Knowledge. One in a blue for an aura when it ETBs, your creature gets plus one plus one and gains flying and you draw a card. Yeah. And the number two slot here, just showing the power of these deserts, we've got Desert of the Mindful. This is the blue desert at common, uh, comes into play tapped, or you can pay one and a blue to cycle it. And in the number three slot, we've got Spellweaver Eternal. This is one and a blue for the two one with Afflict two, and it also has Prowess. Yeah, this is like one of the rock solid two drops for that blue red spells deck and also pretty good in like blue black aggro though i don't know how often that deck is going to come together here yeah there was a weird game of chicken with blue red spells in hou almost like drafting black in theros beyond death from what i remember like if you went in early on a couple spellweaver eternals and then you got cut it was very hard to pivot off of that into another deck but if you were the only person at your table drafting blue red spells and you were getting all the spell we were eternals because nobody else was interested in them Mm -hmm. your deck was absurd yeah maybe this is just a holdover from my love for blue red spells in hour of devastation and like in triple amonkhet blue red wasn't really a good deck it was one of the weaker decks if i remember correctly like it, it it had this weird thing where it like cared about spells in your graveyard not spells being cast and so maybe it's not this. Maybe something like Slitherblade belongs in the top three. What do you think about that? I think that could potentially be feasible if the format is that fast. Although if people are picking Slitherblade as the third best common, all of a sudden it's not the third best common, right? Right. Sl- Slitherblade could be the third best common if you're the only person picking it that highly. And so what we're talking about here is blue for a one, two, and Slitherblade is unblockable. Um, so a very aggressive card, and there are a lot of ways to suit it up in the format and push damage. So essentially you want to be most commonly blue red but there is also blue white flavors of slither blade and blue green occasionally flavors of slither blade uh, there's a green card that lets you slap a, a plus one plus one on your slither blade and let it draw a card every time it dealt damage to your opponent but most commonly blue red and that card gets great you know if people don't know that it's good and you get all five or six copies of it that is open to the table you can have a really hyper aggressive focused deck that really puts your opponent on a clock but if people are fighting over the slither blades all of a sudden it's not good anymore yeah and there's no no honed kopesh which is just effectively short sword right right yes and that also made the the silver blade deck really tick as well the other card that's really good in the blue uh blue commons that we haven't talked about is unquenchable thirst and another great payoff for those deserts it's one in a blue for an enchantment aura and if you control a desert on your side of the battlefield it taps your opponent's creature if you do not you have to try to land it on a tapped creature which makes it a lot worse Um, but enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step yeah that card was strong i just think you also have to recognize that it has a bit of a drawback if you don't have the desert like not being able to to use it as a true removal spell is awkward sometimes for sure moving on to black where i I think there's a lot of parallels to be drawn from this format in m21 with naya aggro seeming very good 
But I think the exception is that Black actually has the tools to combat aggro and is quite good at doing it. And I think uh, top of the heap here, number one is Cartouche of Ambition. This is two and a black for an aura. When it enters the battlefield, you can put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature. And the aura gives your creature plus one, plus one and lifelink. This card is busted. Don't sleep on it. Yeah. Like you're going to see other removal spells in black and think that they're better than Cartouche of Ambition. They're not. They are not 100%. Maybe Cartouche of Ambition, three packs of it, makes Spellweaver Eternal just not good enough. That's another great thing. That's I think that's a reason why a lot of the X1 hate that exists from black specifically also makes me wary of Oketra's Avenger. Like it's obviously good, but how good? Yeah, 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 for sure. In the number two slot, we've got more X1 hate. This is Splendid Agony, two and a black for an instant. Put two minus one minus one counters on creatures your opponent control divided any way you choose. You can stack them up on one creature or you can split them up between two. Yeah, I mean, this is this ranges from combat trick to kill two creatures. Yeah, very powerful card. And in the number three slot, we have final reward four and a black for an instant exile target creature. This would not be complete without us giving an honorable mention to our boy back in the day. This is wander and death two and a black for a sorcery return two creature cards from your graveyard to your hand and has cycling two. both you and I had such a crush on this card back in the day. Yeah, but can I tell you my favorite thing to, to combo Wander and Death with is not in this format. What's that? Scribe of the Mindful. So this was two and a blue for a two-two, I believe. And you could pay one tap sack it to return an instant or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand. And so you got to do loop to loops, Ben. <laughs> you could <laughs> That's right. This was the first iteration of the Ethan Sachs loops. Exactly. Yeah. So you got to bring back Wander and Death with Scribe and then use Wander and Death to get back Scribe and another creature. And now you're up a creature on that exchange, but whatever. We're talking about something that you can't do in the format so it makes me sad so there's not like a way to abuse wander and death except for the fact that the card is just busted yeah absolutely moving on to red in the number one common slot we have the best common from triple amonkhet magma spray red for an instant deals two damage to target creature if that creature dies this turn it gets exiled instead this card is so stupid all right let's take a card in this format, Aven Initiate, which is three and a blue for a three, two with flying, and it has Embalm, six and a blue. So you, when it dies, you can pay seven mana at sorcery speed to exile it and then get back a three, two. This card completely embarrasses the Initiate. You pay one mana with Magma Spray to kill it, and then it's just exiled. It's gone. So you thought you had this, this two for one creature, and you don't anymore. Magma Spray is so stupid. Yeah, that's one of the hidden things is that it really crushes the Embalm Eternalize mechanics for sure. And probably a reason why that deck got better in Hour of Devastation was that there was only one pack of Magma Spray. Right. In the number two slot, we've got Open Fire, two in red for an instant, deal three to any target. And in the number three slot, I think a lot of stuff could go here, but we're going to put the nod to, I think, the best red exert creature, which is Kenra Scrapper. It says two in a red for a two, three with menace. And when it attacks, you can exert it. And if you do, it gets plus two plus O until end of turn. Yeah, good card. I think Puncturing Blow also could make a case, although three removal spells would feel pretty awkward, I think, as the top three commons. But Puncturing Blow is a good one. Mm -hmm. Two red red for sorcery deals five damage to target creature. If that creature would die this turn, exile it. Red's got really good creatures. They're just not quite as like punchy as whites in terms of where they line up with like the removal. Like Magma Spray and Open Fire just have to be in the top three. Yep, agree. Moving on to green in the number one slot, we've got Cartouche of Strength. So just, you know, see how many Cartouches are making the top commons here. The four of the five. 
are in the top commons. And there are, there are aggro experts out there that would probably make a case for the red cartouche being in the top commons, but they're all they're all crazy people. Yeah. Uh, so green cartouche of strength, two and a green for an enchantment aura. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one. And whenever this enters the battlefield, you may choose to have this creature fight target creature your opponent controls. Yeah. So the triggering of this card is just a little weird. And I'm not even sure that I'm going to be able to exp- explain it right here. But this is just like the wording of this means it's slightly different than other enchantment fight spells that we've seen because you can't the respond window is different you can like play the cartouche target the thing and then your opponent could like play a combat trick and then you could go okay then i don't want to fight right you don't you never blow your opponent out so it's yeah it's it's very awkward cartouche of strength is good and the fact that you have the option to target but then choose to not fight is very powerful in uh, the number two slot we have hooded brawler the aforementioned three mana three two with exert plus two plus two and in the number three slot we've got its baby cousin ronus's stalwart one and a green for a two two and when you exert it it gets plus one plus one until end of turn and can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less and though it doesn't fit into one of these you know color categories i do think there's one colorless card worth talking about here and that's wall of forgotten pharaohs this is two mana for an o4 you can tap to have a deal damage to target player or planeswalker but you can only do that ability if you have a desert in play or in your graveyard yeah card was very very good in hou amonkhet i have my doubts that it is going to be a little worse here i think due to the fact that there's going to be more gust walkers running around there's going to be more hooded brawlers running around that attack well through it cartouche of knowledge is going to be around letting things fly over it so i do think it's going to be not as good as we remember from hou yeah i agree this was a really important piece to any sort of grixis control deck this was like your two drop of choice because in the grixis colors you had so many good desert payoffs so you were taking deserts highly anyway and this was again a very good desert payoff and it was a a really good blocker like thinking about how it matches matched up with its aforementioned two drop aggro creature of choice from white in oketra's avenger it did great but thinking about gust walker being around thinking about kenra scrapper being around more thinking about hooded brawler as you said ronus a stalwart etc I don't know how good at blocking Wall of Forgotten Pharaohs will be. Yep. All right, Ben. So what what decks are you excited about slash do you think our dear sweet listeners should be looking out for? I mean, if I'm given uh, a 30 second pitch here, I think red, white and green, white are my front runners heading into the format strictly based on how well supported they seem to be at common. They're the best aggressive decks in the format and best of one, I think, is going to lead to them being great in 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 the best of one style i think blue red spells probably following closely on their heels maybe that's wishful thinking on my part but the, the other archetypes that stand out like maybe a tier below blue red spells black white zombies and then past that it starts to get a little murkier i think yeah i agree with with a slight exception i think we'll, we'll talk about blue black cycling in a bit and what that deck looks like in my mind I think now might be a good time to talk about the math of exert, since I think you and I have red, white, and green, white. Exert beat down is probably the two best decks to look out for. Yeah, so there there comes a point. So think about a card like Gustwalker, the one and a white two two, and when you exert it, it gets plus one plus one and flying. There's some weird things that happen, right? In the early turns, maybe your opponent doesn't have blockers; it gets in for two points each time it attacks. As soon as your opponent brick walls the card, and you're forced to use the exert ability to push damage. All of a sudden, you're essentially pushing 1.5 amount of whatever the creature's power is when you exert it. So if you're exerting Gustwalker and you're doing three and then it doesn't untap the next turn, over the course of those two turns, you did 1.5 a turn. But there's also a weird thing that the last time you go to do it to kill your opponent, right? 
all of a sudden you get this huge burst of damage again. Right. So there, there's thinking not only in terms of how much damage is over the next two turns, but there's also timing of it in terms of wanting, well, it's like, you know, there's a difference of three attacks over three turns versus a, a burst of an attack here, no attack, and then a burst of an attack on turn three. Because it's not actually then spread out over four total turns, you know? Right. Most of them don't equal the same as if you had attacked twice, except for our third red common, Kenra Scrapper, right? That's a 2-3 menace that when you exert gets plus 2 plus 0. So you when you exert it, it's a 4-3. And so it's the same damage output as attacking you know, the same normal way over two turns versus exert once and then attack for zero the next turn. And so the thing with Kenra Scrapper was that you were always supposed to exert, right? Wasn't that the conclusion we came to? That is the exact conclusion you're supposed to come to, right? Yeah. Because then you get that damage in the first time, whereas you don't care about getting it like now and later. And then you get that thing of like, well, let's say your opponent's going to be dead in three turns. So you get to exert once, then you don't attack, and then you exert again on that third turn. And so now that's eight damage over those three turns. And is also dodging removal spells, you know, the turn that it's off. So you got in the, the damage early, everything you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So exert Kenner Scrapper every turn. The other ones like Gus Walker is 1.5. Uh, Nefcrop Entangler is a two mana two one in red that becomes a three three trampler if you exert. Stalwart's also plus and plus one. Even Hooded Brawler, right, is just a three two that then becomes a five four. So all the other ones are just slightly less. Now, if you slap a cartouche on there, the math gets a little different, right? Like even slapping a cartouche on Kenra Scrapper, now you're like, well, now it's three damage. So that means it's six damage over two turns versus the five over the, the one when I just exert, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. And speaking of red, white exert, so all of those common exert creatures are going to be the premier commons in that archetype, I think backed up by, you know, obviously those premium red removal spells that we listed as the top red commons, and then followed closely behind by the red cartouche and the white cartouche. Mm -hmm. And so the red cartouche we haven't mentioned is single red for an aura and gives your creature plus one plus one and haste and makes target creature on your opponent's side unable to block until the end of the turn. So if you're playing against a red deck, you always need to be thinking about if they have red cartouche what happens here yeah and red has just a ton of ways to push through damage there's on crop crash root uncommon that's a three mana three two with haste and has exert if you exert it target creature can't block there's gilded ceridon the donald that's four and a red for a four four and when it attacks if you control a desert or there's a desert in your graveyard target creature can't block this turn so just a lot of ways to even even with your creatures like acting as removal spells while you're attacking. You just see how like attacking is ingrained in this format and rewarded. Well, there's also Pathmaker Initiate, right? One in a red for a 2-1 that could make target creature power two or less unable to be blocked this turn. And then you make your small creature unable to be blocked and then you can exert it to grow its power. Yeah, pretty gross. So, I mean, red-white exert sounds like the nuts. So what's the difference with green-white? Like, is it is it, do you think it's as good or is it sort of like a notch below? What are the things that that make it special? I think it's as good, certainly. Uh, Hooded Brawler gives it a much bigger, beefier exert card. Uh, that's the 3-2 that can turn into a 5-4 when you exert it. Cartouche of Strength is a, a removal spell that if you stick it, you know, grows your creature and can enable more attacks down the road, which is pretty powerful. Um, and then Appeal to Authority is another sweet one. What's going on with that? Oh, yeah. So this is uh, an Aftermath Uncommon. Appeal is a single green for a sorcery. Until end of turn, target creature gains Trample and gets plus X plus X, where X is the number of creatures you control. And then the aftermath portion is authority, one in a white sorcery. You can cast it from your graveyard. Tap up to two target creatures your opponents control. Creatures you control gain vigilance until end of turn. 
So for a measly three mana, one green white, you know, if you're going wide, which I think green white really has the ability to do, you get to go, all right, this one creature gets giant and then your two best blockers can't block. And that's generally the turn that you win the game. Yeah, appeal to authority ended a lot of games. Another card that's really sweet and one of the reasons these cartouches are such high picks in these exert decks is Trial of Solidarity. This card is absurd. This is the white trial. It's two and a white for an enchantment. When it ETBs, creatures on your side get plus two plus one and gain vigilance until end of turn, which doesn't sound like much, but in combination with exert, just led to turns where you exert for free and push so much damage. And then if that wasn't enough to finish the game for whatever reason, those decks often want to run a lot of cartouches. So oftentimes you're staring down, having to defend against multiple turns of Trial of Solidarity doing that. Trial of Solidarity was one of the biggest feel-bads I remember. That was like a mythic uncommon in Amonkhet. For sure. And I would expect it to be the same here as well. Yeah, I would agree. So so those are the, the two, I think, premier decks to look out for. You just really want like a lot of exert creatures. Be aware of exert math. Think about the cards that let you cheat on exert, like we talked about Vigilance with Trial of Solidarity. There's a card called Dauntless Haven, which is two and a white for a two one flyer when it attacks you can untap another creature so getting to untap your creature that exerted so you're cheating on exert getting that that free attack there um there's a really sweet combat trick that you're going to get blown out by called synchronized strike you remember that ben Ooh, yeah that was 2g give two creatures plus two plus two until end of turn and untap them right yeah what a huge block just like imagine attacking with two hooded brawlers and exerting them and then getting to just untap them both Plus two, plus two, and then getting to do it again next turn. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So those are the kinds of things you want to think about. And just as is always the case with aggressive decks, like threats are more important than removal spells. Threats are more important than answers. Obviously, you want some ways to interact with your opponent's board. Oftentimes, your ways of interacting with them are by just beating them down. Right. And the red cartouche here really does rival those red removal spells in these low-to-the-ground hyper-aggressive decks. Mm -hmm. Moving on to blue-red spells, I think this is likely to be slightly worse than it was in Hour of Devastation, but that by any stretch does not mean that it's not going to be a good deck in the format. So we've talked about Spellweaver Eternal already. That's the 2-1 with Afflict. Cartouche of Knowledge is also going to be here, and you're going to get three packs of cartouche of knowledge in this format as a non-creature spell that cantrips jumps your creature into the air and really helps you push damage i think that's going to be a key piece to making blue red spells a fearsome thing and it's it's a weird mix of like blue red spells and blue red cares about non-creature spells right that's another sort of awkward tension i think that's going on with the deck yeah so the uncommon in blue red is enigma drake which is one blue red for uh, an o4 and it gets plus one plus o for each instant or sorcery in your graveyard so there's like that holdover from amonkhet but then there's this all the like prowessy non-creature spells being cast thing that like you know spellweaver eternal and riddle form and this card firebrand archer which is one in a red for a two one whenever you cast a non-creature spell deal a damage to your opponent like there's that there was a weird thing that shifted from how blue red existed in amonkhet and how it existed in our devastation and it feels like they sort of tried to pick the best of both worlds here and may not have gotten there yeah we'll have to see how it plays out i have not played with or against one yet and it's certainly a deck to keep your eye on and if it does come together very 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 powerful yeah and again i mean coming off the heels of m21 i do think that 
you're going to want to draft the deck pretty similarly um, to how we drafted it in M21 and think about the, the good cantrips like the blue cartouche, crash through is here, and this card strategic planning, which is one in a blue for a sorcery. Look at the top three cards of your library, pick one, you put it into your hand and the other two go into your graveyard. Yeah, for sure. So up next is black white zombies. I have really, really high hopes for this deck. I think it's going to be great in this format. You do? Yeah, do wait don't you i mean i don't know it doesn't look like the pieces are there to me yeah no so i think this this deck looks like it's really going to get there so in the hour of devastation format black white zombies got pretty nerfed and in triple amonkhet black white zombies was very good was very deep could consistently come together and if you were the only zombies drafter you had a very 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 powerful deck in the hou version of the format even if you were the only zombies drafter sometimes you just didn't quite get there because all of the best payoffs were in amonkhet but good news, all of those good payoffs at Uncommon are here from both Amonkhet and Hour of Devastation, it feels like. So there's Wayward Servant as the gold Uncommon. It's white and a black for a 2-2 whenever another zombie enters the battlefield under your control. Each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. That's a house and one of the most OP cards at Common, Binding Mummy, one and a white for a 2-2. Whenever another zombie enters the battlefield under your control, you may tap target artifact or creature. Just another card that made Amonkhet the no blocks format. Right. So I think just, again, thinking about white black zombies, if you're building this deck, you want to be building it aggressively. And Binding Mummy, I think, is is the, you know, to to maybe be a little corny, it is the card that, that binds it together. Yeah, for sure. And there's also Lord of the Accursed at Uncommon. This is two and a black, gives other zombies you control plus one, plus one, and one and a black, tap all zombies, gain menace until end of turn. That's another holdover from Amonkhet and is going to be a Lord that pumps your whole team. There's also a really sweet card from Hour of Devastation that made it in that really gave this zombie deck another kick. It's Unconventional Tactics. What do we have going on there? That's a two and a white for a sorcery target creature gets plus three plus three and flying until end of turn and whenever a zombie enters the battlefield under your control you may pay white if you do you return unconventional tactics from your graveyard to your hand so like sorcery speed flying pump trick that's not what you want but being able to recur this and like push a bunch of damage in a zombie's deck that was crazy it essentially turns your zombie into a dragon right yeah, a- any zombie on the battlefield mm-hmm. over ac- across multiple turns, which is very powerful. So all of that in mind, I am pretty psyched about this zombie deck. All right, maybe you might might have convinced me. Yeah, it does seem like maybe it's just like white black zombies with the addition of unconventional tactics, which was great. Yeah, I think I, that one's you're going to keep an eye on. All right. All right, I got to talk about blue black cycling, Ben. I don't know how good this deck is going to be, but I, I it would not I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention it. Yeah, let's hear it. So the two best uncommons are actually not the like, you know, whatever hallmark signpost gold uncommon for the color pair i think they are vile manifestation and ominous sphinx so ominous sphinx is a five mana four four in blue that says whenever you cycle or discard a card target creature gets minus two minus oh until end of turn this card is really hard to deal with when it's on the battlefield and your opponent has at least even one mana untapped um, and Vile Manifestation is one and a black for an O4 that gets plus one plus O for each card with cycling in your graveyard. And it itself has cycling two. Um, so this card, like, it just looks a little innocuous, but you know, eventually it's like a two mana five, four or whatever really was referred to as Tarmogoyf a lot of the time. And I think for good reason. So these two cards, I think are very, very powerful. And as we talked about, you have a lot of like one mana cyclers at common. There's Striped Riverwinder, which is a seven mana five, five with Hexproof at common, but you can just pay single blue to cycle it. 
a lot of stuff like third, that. Third best blue common, right? First, I called it. I, I said it was the first best blue common. <laughs> it was the first. So for those of you that don't know, this was HOU is also the first format where Ethan and I, you know, you, the crash course style deal that we do now where we argue about cards. We did that back then, sort of. And we were both way off <laughs> on some cars that still still stick out in my mind. I'm, I'm a little sad there was one that I missed on big that was Imaginary Threats. And I don't think that is in this format. It is not. So you don't get to relive your your uh, fame and glory there. Uh, Wander and Death, the like three mana return two creatures, but also a cycling card in black slots in very nicely here. But this is not an aggro cycling deck, as we said before, right? This is a much more a deck that's looking to accrue value. And my favorite, favorite, favorite payoff for this is here at Rare in Abandoned Sarcophagus, Ben. Oh, yeah, that card is busto. Yeah, so this is a three mana artifact that says you may cast spells that have a cycling ability from your graveyard. And if a card that has a cycling ability would be put into your graveyard from anywhere and it wasn't cycled, exile it instead. So the idea is you just all of your cards that have cycling, you're cycling them first and then getting to cast them from your graveyard with the sarcophagus. Yeah, card is very powerful and certainly a reason to build blue black cycling. And then the other color pairs we haven't touched on, which is about half. I mean, we we talked about blue-white seeming like it's not going to get there. I will say on the side of blue-white in the best of one cues, I played against a very good blue-white flyers deck that did trounce me. All right. So maybe maybe a little less focused on the control eternalized life gain and maybe just a little more in your face, get up in the air, push some damage. Yeah, that seems... Like, that's what this format is all about right now. And a big shift from Hour of Devastation here is that uh, the five-color green, I don't know if you're just going to be able to do with, like, it's best of one, so no sideboarding. I just i am a little scared about Oasis Ritualist, Ben. Yeah, so essentially what this deck is trying to do, for those of you that didn't play back in the day, is you want Oasis Ritualist that can exert to tap for double colors of mana. And essentially you want to turtle up, draft all of the busted rares that you see, and play a defensive game and try to win via control strategy that's playing better cards than your opponent. You get to splash a lot of premium removal spells. Um, and there's a card, River Hoopoo. A lot of times this is base blue-green as a deck. Uh, and River Hoopoo is blue-green for a 1-3 flyer. And you can pay three blue-green to draw a card. Is that true? Draw a card, gain two life. What a card. What a card. And so those were kind of the backbone of that deck, plus whatever insane rares you happen to get past. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We've only done a few drafts. We'll we'll see how things shake out. Please send us screenshots of your sweet, sweet Oasis Ritualist five color nonsense decks. Yeah, I have high hopes. I have high I have high hopes, but also high fears. So so be honest with me, Ben. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. This weekend, you get some downtime from band. You play an Omnicat remastered or you play in double masters? I mean, if I were not a co-host of the Lords of Limited podcast, I would be playing double masters. As a co-host of the podcast, I feel like people are going to be interested in the format, and I feel like it's incumbent upon me to know what I'm doing with the format. So I will be a big boy, and I will play Amonkhet Remastered. I would be way more jazzed about playing Amonkhet Remastered if best of three were an option on Arena. I know. The fact that it is only best of one is a, a pretty big drag for me. That feels like the last holdover. I don't know. I keep feeling this. Then, the, then there'll be something else that I want. But it feels like the last thing. I'm just like, stop giving us best of one ranked and stop giving us these best of one flashback stuff. Yeah, a best of three would certainly feel a lot better. I think it would give the format more room to feel more like the hour of devastation that we remember. And I am worried that that is not going. And it is Amonkhet remastered. It's not hour of devastation remastered, you know. Hey, that's fair. Um, 
sort of in the name, but I do think there are enough sweet cards that if the format were not artificially sped up by best of one, I think there would be a lot more room to be creative and have fun with it. And maybe there still will be, you know, we've, we're only four drafts in, but between the two of us, you've got three, I've got one, but it certainly seemed like it was pretty darn fast in the best of one queues. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on it, and uh, I assume we'll, we'll chat at least a little bit about this format next week. Yeah, for sure. All right, great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give that a listen. Once again, we'd like to thank Channel Fireball for sponsoring the show. We really, really appreciate it. And you can go and use the code LOL, all caps, for any and all purchases over at CFB, including CFB Pro, to get access to the articles that Ben and I are writing every single week. You can come check us out on Twitch and Twitter. I'm at twitch.tv slash lordtupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. And we're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. devastation or not triple hour devastation in h in h there's no easy way to say it there's no easy way to say it i know